Okay, so welcome to Let's Talk Pixels. I'm Zee Andrews and I'm joined by the wonderful Daniel Ross. You'll know him as Donald Duck in Mickey and the Roadster Races. Uh, he had a few roles in Transformers the Game and the Adventures of Kid Danger and much more. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? Hello, Zee. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm wonderful. I mean, we had another thunderstorm over here, but yeah, otherwise it's really good. Good to hear. Good to hear. For everybody listening who may be in the way, please stay safe. Oh yeah, I think just 2020 is just the year of safety at this point, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. No worries at all. Thank you for joining me. It's um, been a bit of a rocky start. I had the same issue with Frank Tadara a few weeks ago. So hopefully oh. we can get that recorded. Technology, it doesn't make it very clear. Okay, <laughs> so we're just going to get started off. Uh, so what did you used to watch um, or study, you know, like theatre and things, when you want, when that made you want to pursue voiceover? So, you know, for example, I hear a lot of Transformers, G1, G.I. Joe, Scooby-Doo, all that sort of thing. So what inspired you to pursue voiceover? Um, you know, it was a, a show called Beast Wars Transformers that initially piqued my interest uh, and discovering that uh, voice actors were people that, you know, hey, the voices that I see on TV are actually people uh, creating these voices. I don't know why there was such a disconnect. Of course, there are people doing voices, but that was the show that really tuned me into that. And I was fascinated with the voices that I heard on that show. But growing up as a kid, Looney Tunes, all of the classic Mel Blanc yeah. uh, voices, I would imitate those for my friends and my teachers. And I would uh, do prank phone calls and get into lots of trouble. Uh, using my voice, so I, I didn't quite realize the the uh, uh, the tool that I had uh, when I was younger. But yeah, Transformers, GI Joe, Thundercats. Uh, oh my gosh! I mean, there there are so many cartoons I could I could think of. Cops, uh, Inspector Gadget. Um, the list could go on and on. Yeah, literally, it's always the '80s ones that I notice have the most. Absolutely, absolutely. I think in the '80s they were just. They, they were so outlandish, the voices that, that they would come up with, because, you know, the actors had to pull, you know, multiple characters per episode, so they had to find different ways to vary things up, and the more silly, the better. So I grew up with a lot of the silly voices, whereas nowadays it's very grounded and very realistic, so there's been kind of a departure from the, the weird and wacky. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Like, this is quite interesting, because I, I have never been able to do a Donald Duck voice. Like, I think at, at best, it just sounds like either someone choking on a bit of popcorn or a cat being strangled. So it's actually quite Maybe fascinating. Both. <laughs> so I think it's quite fascinating how just a small percentage of people are actually able to do it. Yeah, you know, I've got my mom to thank for that. Uh, she taught me a, at a young age how to do the voice. She showed me how she would do it in her cheek. And uh, she would tuck me in at night and she would say, Oh, Daniel, I love you so much. And I'd say, Oh, Mom, I love you too. And that was like our thing. So, uh, you know, growing up, it was a parlor trick for friends. And when I would work on, you know, movie sets, I'd be at the craft services table, you know, spouting off Donald Duck lines. And that was just kind of a fun thing to do. I never in a million years thought I'd be doing the voice. And I have to mention, Today, five years ago, today uh, was my very first recording session on Mickey and the Roads Erasers as Donald Duck. Oh, wow. So we're celebrating together on your amazing. Oh, perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brilliant, brilliant. And that actually leads me on to the uh, on to my next question, which was um, I hear a lot of voice actors say that they've had moments like like quite well into their careers where they had to sort of catch themselves, like realize, wow, I've made it this far. What what was that moment for you? I mean, have you experienced it yet? Or you know, I, this is a job to me. This is work. So mm. the fact that there are you know perks associated with it, like being able to positively influence the people that are listening. I, I hear people's stories all the time about how much the voice means to them. And it, it, really, um, it really makes me reflect on the fact that this thing that I chose as a vocation uh, has such far reaching positive implications for the world. So in terms of a moment where it really hit me, I, I don't know that it really has quite yet. It's still, a, I'm still on my journey. I'm still on my adventure. But I will say, you know, when I got the initial uh, role of Starscream, uh, I know you just said you interviewed Frank Todaro, who's the current voice of Starscream, and he does a great job. Um, but I was fortunate enough to do it in 2007 for the Transformer movie video games. Yeah. And that was such a cathartic moment for me because, um, you know, I'm a huge Transformers collector and have been my entire life. I can see so, them in the back. <laughs> participate in the franchise that I love uh, was huge for me. Um, but you know, every character has a story. Every, every moment in my career has a story. And uh, Starscream, Lucky the Leprechaun, Donald Duck have all been huge milestones for me. And uh, you know, you, you look towards the next one to see what the next big adventure is. Yeah, so, yeah, I just continue to audition and, and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, and oddly enough, this sort of leads into my next question, which is, um, so what influences you in your craft when you do a like a new character voice or when it's taking the helm of a well-established character like Donald Duck? Because it's um, not exactly quite an iteration-y sort of character. Like you don't uh, listen to Donald Duck's voice and think, oh, that's Clarence Nash. Like you just, um, it's just sort of very it's very same it's the same very consistent it's not like starscream where there's like steve bloom and there's um charlie adler and frank todaro for example like they're very distinguishable so um what sort of influences you when you take on these sort of new roles or even like take the helm of one like donald duck you know for for donald duck it was a matter of consistency so when i auditioned they were looking for uh, as close to the original Clarence Nash Donald as, as they could find. And, you know, everyone who steps into a role has their own uh, take on the characters, their own sounds that they bring to it to, to make it relevant to the current time and age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a challenge to really match Clarence because up until that point, as I mentioned before, it was just kind of a parlor trick for friends. So mm. to really step into those shoes and mimic uh, as closely and as faithfully to the original as possible was quite a task. And I went back and, you know, rewatched all the old cartoons. Uh, Apple Corps was always my favorite, you know, <laughs> you know, that was always my favorite. That would always make me laugh as a kid. So, um, you know, I was always mining the old uh, cartoons for inspiration on how to do that. So stepping into this character who is 86 years old, who's only been voiced by three people, including myself uh, for, for TV, has been a huge responsibility. And anytime I get into the studio, um, 
you know, the pressure is on. I don't get in and just kind of, you know, casually do whatever. Uh, I want to be informed. I want to bring, you know, sounds that haven't been heard, you know, for 50 plus years to the table. So yeah. when they say, hey, can you give us an option for this or that? I can be like, I've got it. You know, here's the thing that we've done before. Um, so to try to bring the continuity to the character is a whole other job, so to speak. And then, of course, it's the mechanism and being able to sound right, being able to, to have enough clarity for the show, because uh, the emphasis for the kids shows has been the clarity of the voice. Um, being able to sound, you know, you can hear exactly what he's saying and understand it. Uh, whereas before, maybe you did, maybe you didn't understand. You know, maybe you didn't understand what he was saying before, but now it has to be concise. So it's it's a lot of work stepping into that. But I I relished the opportunity. I have loved the past five years doing this. It has been one of the biggest joys of my life. Um, and uh, I, look, I hope to borrow the keys to the to the cabin cruiser for as long as they let me. Yeah. So for, for an established character, that's kind of where my mindset is. For other things, you know, like Starscream as an example, uh, when I got into the studio, I had this idea for the character. They wanted something demonic and scary that would frighten the kids. So I had this breathy voice that I would use. <laughs> and, you know, I get to the studio and I'm rehearsed and I'm feeling good about it. And Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, was my voice director at the time. And he says, um, how about just a light British accent? <laughs> and I said, so what you're telling me is you want Starscream to sound like this? And they said, yes, that's perfect. And as a fan, I kind of went, um, no. Um, are you sure? I mean, I don't want to impede on your career or anything, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was left to interpretation. And they said, what do you want to do? So in a moment's notice, I just said, Decepticons, this is Starscream. Make for the rendezvous point. The Allspark will soon be ours. Yeah! <laughs> so in a moment's notice, they're like, okay, that's it. And that was the voice. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's a process of discovery on your own. Sometimes it's, you know, following the footsteps of what came before as, as close as you can. It really just depends on the, on the character. But that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, brilliant, brilliant story. <laughs> um, so before you sort of um, broke out in voiceover, did you ever meet a veteran voice actor, you know, like Peter Cullen, Frank Welker, any like kind of event, convention or anything? And Absolutely. did they give you any advice? And, and do you still hold that advice still close to your heart to this day? Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't until I started going to conventions that I realized the, these people are my tribe. These these people are like me. They have the same sense of humor. They have the same bubbly nature about them. They love doing voices and they love interacting with people and making other people happy. I love the voiceover community so much. And, you know, I, I have some great friendships. Debbie Derryberry, the voice of Jimmy Neutron, is a very close friend of mine. David Sobolov, the voice of Gorilla Grodd, has been a, a great friend for so many years. Did my first demo, by the way, with David Sobolov. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, David Kay, Ian Corlett. There are so many people to name. I just can't even. But going to a convention, um, there was one time I, I went and saw Peter Cullen, and it was very close to Father's Day, and I was feeling like you're kind of like my father that I've never known because I grew up hearing your voice in, in a in a very masculine, optimist, prime kind of way. 
Um, but I'll never forget, I was at a Transformers convention in Chicago and I met uh, Scott McNeil, uh, who did a bunch of voices on Beast Wars. He's done X-Men, he's done on-camera stuff. And he was just so welcoming and inviting to me and we had great conversations. And I'll never forget, he had a line like around the corner to come to his table for autographs. And his assistant was saying, hey, we gotta go, it's time for our flight. And he turned to him and he said, no, I'm not leaving till everybody in this line gets what they want. Whether it's an autograph, a hug, I don't care, I'm, I'm staying. And his assistant was freaking out because you know they had, they had a flight to catch. And yeah. he, he persisted and said, I'm sorry, Scott, we gotta interrupt, we gotta, and he stood up and he said, no, reschedule it, find something else, I'm staying. Oh, and wow. I looked at that moment and I just said, that's who I wanna be. That's who I want to be. I, I loved his talent. I loved his personality. I loved the fact that he cared so much about the people who were interested in seeing him. It meant the world to me. So Scott McNeil, all the way. <laughs> but that's the thing about the voiceover community. It's just so humble and it comes from a place of appreciation and care. It's not, it's not very, I think it's because, uh, you know, Hollywood is more sort of like in the in your face all the time like it's more visual yeah. obviously and um, it's a very yeah. different dynamic uh, when it comes to on camera and voiceover literally uh, and, you know don't get me wrong i still do on camera stuff uh, i kind of put everything on hold while i focused on my voiceover career but uh no i i produced movies acted in movies i still love it i love doing on camera but it is a very very different uh environment very different business uh, yeah. And voiceover, I, again, I just feel like I found my tribe. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, have you got anything in the works at the moment that you can possibly tell us about? Any voiceover roles, anything like you are, like you said, you're producing, anything like that? Um, well, I just produced a short uh, quarantine film oh. called The Distanced uh, with my film partner, Justin Timpain, back east. Uh, he and I did the Ninjas versus Trilogy, the Ninjas versus Zombies, Ninjas versus Vampires, and Ninjas versus Monsters, which you can find on Amazon Prime. Plug! Um, and uh, yeah, we, so we just finished that. We're sending it off to the, uh, the festival circuit. I'm working on a uh, short comedy uh, skit show called uh, uh, Vulgar Fantastico uh, with a gentleman named Larry Longstreth, who's an amazing filmmaker and his, his amazing crew. And uh, yeah, there's a new series I can't talk about quite yet. Uh, I can't say who I'm voicing or what. There's a new series coming, a couple of video games, and that's about all I can say. <laughs> and, yeah. and of course, TikTok. I, I'm enjoying my time on TikTok oh, yeah. and creating characters and doing some skits and, and interacting with people there. That's been so much fun. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much. And I do just want to ask, um, do you, and do you have any um, social media tags that you just, tags what am I saying uh what are your um social media handles just so everyone can find you yes I've tried to make it as simple as possible you can find me on Facebook Twitter Instagram Twitch Snapchat uh TikTok under actor Daniel Ross very simple actor Daniel Ross okay. not barber Daniel Ross actor Daniel Ross yes actor <laughs> Daniel Ross <laughs> character actor Daniel Ross <laughs> um, exactly now there is just one more thing I do just want to ask. Is there anything that Donald Duck would like to say to our dear listeners if they need help pursuing their dreams? Always listen to your heart and do your best, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you.